Would you pray with me? Spirit of God, breathe on us now. Speak the word that brings healing and open our eyes, Jesus, that we might see your glory. Amen. So at my former church, um, All Angels, there was a man named Charles who would attend the evening service where there were a lot of folks who were homeless and uh, living on the streets, um, struggling with addictions and mental illness, um, and they would often come to that service. And I always remember um, every time that Charles would come up for the Eucharist, um, he would do this, he would go, <laughs> not to me, but to the cross um, behind me as if to be like, Good job, Jesus. And I always remember Charles, not only for uh, what he would do every time during the Eucharist, um, but I always remember that Charles would say that the hardest thing about being homeless was actually not being homeless. The hardest thing about being homeless was that no one would ever look you in the eye. And you'd be sitting there on the street and people would walk by and they would just avert their gaze as if you were not there, as if you were invisible. Because for them, to look you in the eye would be to recognize your humanity. It would be to say that you are a human being made in the image of God, loved, precious, and honored in the sight of God. And it would demand a response from you. It would demand one to say, I see you. I see you, and this isn't right. This isn't okay, and I'm going to do something about it. This election season has kind of put me in a mood. I'm wondering if anybody else has been in a mood during this time, because it's had me thinking about leadership. It has me thinking about power and what power is used for in our world. And it has me thinking about the damage that is done when leaders lose sight of who it is that they are serving and why it is that they are leading. And I felt kind of like an ache as I walk around. And it's an ache wishing that we had better leaders for our world. Now, this is not a new problem in the history of humanity. Right before our Ezekiel reading for today, earlier in chapter 34, let's just say that the Lord is also in a mood, and he has some things that he wants to say to the kings of Israel. He says, ah, you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strayed. You have not sought the lost, but with force and harshness have you ruled them. And so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search for or seek for them. 
Does that sound familiar to you? The landscape of human history is littered with the collateral damage of shepherds such as these. So today is Christ the King Sunday. It's always the Sunday before the first Sunday of Advent. And on this Sunday, we get a vision of a different kind of king. And this is not um, only the little baby in the manger that we remember in Jesus' first coming, but as Jesus says in Matthew, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him. So this is no ordinary king. This is a king not of a single tribe or of a single country, but the king who sits on the throne of the universe. And all the nations, scripture tells us, will one day be gathered before him. The United States of America, France, Saudi Arabia, Japan, South Africa, Brazil, you know, all the empires of the world for all time, at the end of time, will one day stand before him, this story says. And that throne that he is seated on represents his authority. So in Revelations 11:15, it says, Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. It's saying that the nations belong to him, and therefore they and all of its people are answerable to him. And this king we see in this image is not wringing his hands over the nations. He's not pacing back and forth out of angst or worry over the state of the world. He is seated, and it is this picture of just ultimate sovereignty, ultimate authority, ultimate power. And the President of the United States is like a peon in comparison to this king who is on the throne of the universe. And Jesus goes on to say that all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. So what we see here is that this king is not only sovereign over the nations, he's also a shepherd. He's a shepherd of his people. And separating out the sheep from the goats makes his sheep visible to, see, to him. And to see his sheep is to value them, is to care for them. You all remember those um, early terrible and fearful days of the pandemic back in the spring. And the only message that we got from our leaders was to stay home, wash your hands, and stay home. That was it. Well, what do you do if you don't have a home to stay in? There was nothing for people like Charles to do. There was no direction from our government about what the most vulnerable among us should do, no strategy about how to protect them from this virus. And here's what our leaders 
the quote-unquote kings of our earth were saying to them. They were saying, we don't see you because we don't care about you because you don't matter. That's really what our leaders were saying. And I remember talking to Melissa Morganweck, our senior warden at that time, and we were talking about how strange it was to see the busy, crowded streets of New York suddenly so empty, you know, just deserted, like it was the apocalypse happening. Except, she said, because the streets are suddenly so empty, you know what you do see? The homeless. Suddenly, those who are invisible to us were now being made visible. We couldn't see them before. We couldn't see them in the crowd before. But now, they were separated out. And they became the only people that you would see on the streets. And as Gandhi has been attributed in saying, the true measure of any society can be found in how it treats its most vulnerable members. In this separating out, we are exposed. Our society is exposed for what we are, and we are indicted in it. At the same time, in this separating out, we see the ones that the king loves, who says to them, you are not invisible to me. And to separate them out is to see them, is to value them, is to care for them. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord says, you kings of Israel scattered the sheep. And so I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I will rescue them. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them with justice. How does he do that? Jesus says, then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then the king will say, when a king speaks, that's a decree, that's a proclamation. A decree is words that create realities. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Kings create realities by the words that they speak. And what this king did was that this king spoke into being a kingdom that was prepared from before the foundations of the world. 
And at this moment, at the very height of his power and glory, with all the angels around him and all the nations assembled to him, he reveals that the creation he made and spoke into being and rules over has been structured to yield blessing when all the least and the littlest and the lowest are cared for. And he goes even further to say that the least and the littlest and the lowest in society are in fact the greatest and the highest and the most honored in my kingdom, the closest to my heart because they are my heart. And when they are your heart, he says to his people, you step into my kingdom, the reality of my kingdom in a new way. You are blessed in a new way. That's what my kingdom is like because that is the kind of king that I am. You see, when Jesus talks about the righteous, he's not talking about people who are holier than thou, those uppity people who are all about like what you should be doing or not doing. And if we do enough right things, then maybe we'll, we'll be blessed by God. No, that's not what it means to be righteous. You know, the, the book of Romans says that there are none righteous. No, not one. And as hard as we may try to do good things and earn our salvation, there were always going to be things that we failed to do, forget to do, even refuse to do. The righteous are those who have been made righteous by the blood of Christ and the death of Jesus, as it says in 2 Corinthians, that he became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's what the king did on our behalf. He became sin for us, and he shed his majesty and his glory and his power, his authority, and became the least and the lowest, the rejected, the unseen, the despised for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He is the shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep, and what this passage in Matthew tells us is that because he did this for us, now we can live in such a way as to reflect the righteousness of God in our world. And that word righteousness and the word justice are the same word in scripture. It's, it's both a characteristic and it's an action. So God is righteous and because he is righteous, he is making things right in a world that has gone wrong. He's making things right in a world gone wrong. That's what it means to be righteous. He's putting things to right. And that is what he calls us to do as well. I love how our Jewish friends, they call this tikkun olam. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. But it literally means to repair the world, to put the world to rights by offering one cup of water at a time to the littlest ones in his name. That's what our king is like. The one who is seated on the throne of the universe in power and great glory, and yet seated with the littlest ones who are closest to his heart. He's the one who separates the sheep from the goats, and in so doing reveals that he is a shepherd who seeks his lost sheep himself. And he's the one who speaks these realities into being, who's created this world that yields blessing when the littlest ones are cared for through his righteous ones. 
And that's us. That's what he calls us to. That's what it means to follow and love and worship this king. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, why am I so emotional? I was not expecting to be as tearful as I am this morning. And I think it's because of longing. It's because I long for this king. I long for this kingdom. I long to be a part of this kingdom in our world. I long for better things for our world. I long for better things for those who are unseen and marginalized in our society who are forgotten. I long for that, and I feel that gap between what is and what should be. That's what Advent is about, is living in that time in between. And in this time in between, the first coming of Jesus as a baby, and that day that we long for, when the King will come in his full glory and power and authority, when the littlest and the least are revealed as the ones closest to his heart, between the time between then and the future is now. And God calls us to be the righteous, tikkum alum, to repair the world in his name. So let's pray that that may be so. So would you join me in prayer? Jesus, we long for you. And God, as we live in this world, this imperfect world, as imperfect people with imperfect leaders, God, we see you, this glorious king who is not ashamed to call us one of your own. But God, that you see the least and the littlest and the lowest in our society, God, and you raise them up. You raise them up as valued and loved and precious. And God, we pray that as we live in this in-between time, God, may we follow in your footsteps. May we help to put this world to rights. God, may we be a part of repairing this world. God, knowing that the whole universe hangs on a cup of water that's offered to another in your name. God, give us love and grace and power and courage, Lord, um, to be your people in this world. All this we pray in the name of your Son, our King, Jesus. Amen.